you know, Carlin, this is our seventh day seventh of watching day. Wonka. Mm-hmm. And despite how many times I've seen this movie, I am still learning new things each time we see it. Oh, yeah? Like, like what are you learning? Today, I found out that there's an Aquaman 2 coming out. Did you know about this? No way. Yeah. Seriously? Like, the fish, the fish guy, right? Yeah, Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom. That is crazy. Now, yeah. uh, Eric... Black I'm... Manta, he's going to destroy everything that Aquaman holds dear. Which... I hear he is, and I think that's a little harsh. It's a little extreme. Like, everything? Right. Like, that, that's a little scary. Um, the, the real thing is, um, I hear that um, like, uh, Willy Wonka actually kind of has a lot of parallels to um, uh, Aquaman, because right. um, I think Wonka builds a lot of, like, bridges between himself and the community. And as we, of course, know from Aquaman. A good king. Builds bridges. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there I think there are a lot of parallels between um, Willy Wonka and Aquaman. Um, you know, for instance, Aquaman can talk to fish. Willy Wonka can talk to chocolate. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, they both have moms they... who live on the water. Yeah. Um, or in the water, I suppose this is uh, Aquaman's case. Um, you know, the trailers for this movie are really fascinating. Oh yeah, there's a like lot we, of... We've talked about this a few times, but they don't really know how to market this movie they don't um and it just feels like a real believe it or not even though this was the seventh day of us seeing this movie um not a single time not even this time on the last day have we made it to the movie theater in time for all of the trailers no, yeah so we we, <laughs> there, we have a few blind spots right but even from what we have been able to see it does feel like a real grab bag of trailers yeah. because it'll be like here's the color purple trailer because yep. it's also a musical Here's a Dune trailer because it also has Timothy oh, yeah. Chalamet. That was weird. The Dune trailer was weird. Yeah, and then you'll go right from Dune Part Two into an animated French movie called The Jungle Bunch that stars <laughs> yeah. a guy named Philippe Bozo <laughs> as an animated like beaver or something. Man. Shout out to Philippe Bozo. <laughs> Got to be the most French name since Timothy Chalamet. Dude, dude, when that guy, when that guy unfortunately passes, you know we're gonna have a big rip, bo- rip Bozo. Rip Bozo. <laughs> my my week with Wonka, day seven, coming up next. Say my name, Willy Wonka. What? I'm very excited to introduce our next and final guest final on guest. my week with Wonka. Uh, her writing has appeared in GQ, New York Magazine, W Magazine, and she's one of the select few people followed by timothy chalamet on twitter ayana murray thank you ayana for being here thank you i'm really excited i was really like um thrilled when i got your email eric um because it's the most insane idea for a podcast i've ever heard and i was like i need to listen to this immediately well i'm glad uh that uh, you felt that way we were talking about what we wanted to do for our last episode thought like shot in the dark let me shoot you an email and just see um because i know that you are a uh a big fan of Timothy Chalamet's work. I believe in my email, I referred to you as a Chalamet scholar. So, you know, yeah, I'm very glad job. that you uh, responded and, and were down to come onto the pod. Yeah, it's an honor to be to be your last episode. I'm excited to hear just like the whole journey you guys have had with this film. Because I've, I've only seen it twice, so. When you first saw the trailer for Wonka, or when you, when you first heard like, you know, this project was announced, like Timothy Chalamet is going to be in a Wonka prequel. Did you think... Um, like, oh yeah, that's gonna be a good movie, or oh yeah, that's gonna be like a movie I want to see seven days in a row. <laughs> um, well, I'll admit, the first time I saw the trailer, I wasn't exactly thrilled. I, I was, I mean, I was gonna go see it regardless. Right. 
um but I was like this doesn't look as good as I hoped and then I kind of like deluded myself into thinking it was going to be a masterpiece I think when the second trailer came out I was I was in a group chat with my with my flatmates at the time and I was like I think this movie is gonna be good guys like trust trust the process it'll be it'll be great and they were all like cooking me saying like you're actually delusional like it's gonna it's gonna suck but like it paid off it paid off I'm I'm a fan yeah like here's how Wonka can still win you know <laughs> I was actually gonna ask because you said you said that what what do you think of um the film not making the the Oscar shortlists we were gonna we were gonna ask you about we this to, um yeah. so it's it's good that you brought this up i i think it's a travesty i think like at least uh a couple of the songs should have made the short list you know i'm not saying there needed to be like a guarantee of a nomination yeah. or whatever but just like let's see sweet tooth on the list let's see scrub scrub on the list or like, like just... um, world of your own yeah like, you know yeah these these they're like these are great fun colorful songs they're catchy too um, the songs have, funny enough, been like the the one of at least for me one of the reasons like keeping me going to this because they make it easier to watch it on repeat viewings. Because <laughs> I'm like, oh yes, I'm so yes, Sweet Tooth's coming on, yeah, right, right. Um, but yeah, like it's messed up. You had a theory for like why? Well, I, I wanted to ask if you thought that um the movie like not really being marketed as a musical was part of why um it missed the shortlist like maybe i don't know maybe maybe now i'm deluding myself and saying like oh they just didn't put them on the shortlist because they just didn't listen to the songs like, like i don't know i because I, I, I feel like surely if they listened to the songs they would have had them on the shortlist right so i don't know do you think the marketing like played a role i'm kind of with you honestly because I, I i i i generally think like the songs are really great and mm -hmm. i have been singing like to myself every once in a while, Sweet Tooth or Half Full of Dreams. They're all just, they're all kind of bangers. Like they're all really great. And um, I do think like the marketing probably played a role in it. Saying that, when I went to see this again today, cause I just came back a couple of hours ago from my second viewing of it. Um, there was like the trailers for Mean Girls and The Color Purple and um, there was like the whole thing about how like they weren't marketing these films as musicals, but these trailers specifically were like about the music, and I was like, the music in this doesn't sound great. Like I'm not really like right. in inclined, feeling inclined to watch these films because I've heard the songs. So maybe they do have a point about you tricking, tricking people into seeing these musicals because, like, it's not it's not selling it for me, Mean Girls, the music. <laughs> I feel like these songs, at least for me. Um, I mean, maybe I'm, you know, maybe I've been like brainwashed by hearing them seven days in a yeah, row, yeah. but if these songs had been in the trailer, I mean, obviously I was going to see the movie anyway, because yeah, yeah, I yeah. had to, yeah. I had to see it seven times, but you know, I feel like these songs would have, uh, you know, been enticing if they were in the trailer, especially because it doesn't feel like they just, um, they wanted to do a Wonka movie and put some songs in it. Like, I feel like the music is really ingrained into the movie a lot of the songs are like incorporated into the score mm. um and i was reading your letterbox review of the movie and i feel like you put it really well you said um i'm paraphrasing that even when the songs aren't playing it feels like a musical um i thought that was like a really good way of putting it just tonally the performances um the way that it's cut like the way that the actors move um i was thinking about today on this viewing the scene after uh, Olivia Coleman is first introduced and she's kind of like marching up to the coop and 
yelling at Noodle and they sort of have like an instrumental version of Scrub Scrub playing underneath. Like, I feel like she just was able to capture that tone mm -hmm. of like knowing that she was in a musical, even though there wasn't a song in that particular moment. Yeah, absolutely. And I do think like the, if the music had been in the trailer, I do think like it wouldn't have been to this detriment, but I can also like imagine the discourse right now about like people talking about Timmy's singing ability and stuff. And I'm trying to like, watching this again, I was trying to reason like, because Timmy's not the strongest sing singer, let's admit that. Um, like why he, why he'd be like suited for this kind of role. And it got me thinking like, Wonka can't even read. Let so let's not think like he's trained in 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 singing. <laughs> he has not been thinking about his ability in song. He's just focused on chocolate. Like we don't need to knock him down. Yeah, he's never looked at sheet music before, mm -hmm. you know. Um. <laughs> yeah, the the marketing did like a a real like layered reverse psychology thing because we see this this trailer and we're like, oh, that movie's gonna be so fun to talk about in this form and then we watch it and we're like oh this movie's gonna be th fun to talk about in this form yeah. and now they've got us seeing it seven times and potentially other people seeing right. it at times so you know maybe maybe they actually were maybe the marketing people are you know they're they're playing 40 chess and they've really won in this scenario mm -hmm. so well I, I wanted to ask because seven times in seven days is insane for any movie, uh, Wonka or otherwise, but I wanted to ask, what's the closest that you've come to a My Week with Wonka situation in your life? Is there a movie that you've seen like multiple times opening weekend or, you know, twice in one day or, uh, you know, anything like that? Well, as the Chalamet scholar, as you said, I have seen Call Me By Your Name. I think it's like... 31 32 times maybe <laughs> i can't remember what it is on letterbox now but it's like there was a point i think the app has changed now on letterboxd if you watch the film over 10 times it didn't even say a number above the eye icon it just said an exclamation mark right just like we that like we give it. up you know we can't keep track <laughs> um but um i i did see that twice on opening day I saw it like in the morning and then I needed a reason to go again. So I took my mum, which was really ill-judged despite the despite knowing like everything that happened, I took my mum anyway. Right. But she's really chill <laughs> with films like that. So I thought it would be okay. And then, and then I think I did see it a couple more times over that first week. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, since then I have watched it like at least twice a year, I think. But I went absolutely buck wild, like the first couple of months it came out. I think it's a good one um, to have watched that many times, especially because it like takes place in multiple seasons. So you have a lot of excuses. Mm -hmm. You're like, oh, it's it's summertime. I'm looking for a summer good summer movie. movie, or like it's cold out, so I'm looking for a good summer movie, or oh, there's Christmas there's time in part yeah. of it, so I guess I can watch it for Christmas. Like you have a lot of built-in reasons to mm -hmm. watch it. I had a reverse. Yeah situation with the movie because the first time i saw it was with my mom um <laughs> and i think we were the only two people in the theater um so you know i kind of had to like move a couple seats over during certain seats just to like give us some space um because i was very acutely aware that i was like sitting next to my mom during certain parts of the movie was was call me by your name the first movie that you saw timothy chalamet in or what was the first time you saw him 
I think it was probably Interstellar, but like I obviously didn't know right. who he was at the time. But it was Call Me By Your Name where I became obsessed. Mm-hmm. And it was like, I was obsessed with the movie before I'd even seen it. Because I remember when it showed at Sundance and I was just like reading the reviews and it made me just go absolutely like, I don't even know what my, what was happening in my mind. I was just like, I... I need to see this movie. There's never been a more me movie in my life. And so, because it played Sundance, but then I went to Berlin right after. And so when they announced it on the Berlin lineup, I like bought plane tickets to Berlin and I went to go go see it there. So I could claim that I could, I had seen the movie before most people. And um, yeah, so I saw that film like February 2017. And I was just telling everyone, I was like, this is the best movie ever made. Like, Timothy Chalamet's a star. You could just tell he was going to, like, be big after that film. Um, but it's really crazy thinking back on that. Because um, it is, like, kind of, like, a star is born kind of moment in that film. Despite how, like, small and intimate Call Me By Your Name is. So after you saw it at uh, Berlin, which I think is, like, really cool that you were able to see it um, that far ahead of time, I guess, like, you wouldn't have had another chance to see it, right, until, like, it actually opened. So for that whole year where you're just kind of, like, you know, pacing around, like, counting down the months until you were able to see the movie again, like, how did you uh, how'd you cope with having to wait so long to see it? Yeah, it, <laughs> I was a bit, like, um, yeah, just insane in the, <laughs> in the lead-up to that. I was so, like, I remember... I would like look up his name on Twitter like every other day seeing what people were saying and then no one was saying anything because no one had even heard of the guy and no one was saying anything in the film because of course there was no news coming out and then um, um, I think it was like when the trailer came out it was like August 2017 or something where it all just really kicked off and everyone was like oh this film is going to be this film's gonna be something and I was like I told you I told you and um that that day is really crazy actually because um that was the day because you mentioned it now Timothy followed me um because that that was a weird story actually because um my my twitter handle at the time was um Yorgos Lanfamos but the the L in Lanfamos was an I and um and then also my picture was Leia Seydoux and the lobster. So I guess people were mistaking me for Yorgos. And it was just a stan account at the time. Um, but I know Barry Jenkins just from like speaking online and I've met him once. Um, but when that, but he knew I was like such a big fan of Call Me By Your Name. And when the trailer came out, he like replied to my tweets about it and then added Timothy and that was how he came to know I existed. He was like, I can't remember what the tweet was, but it was something like, at, at Timothy Chalamet, the stands are going wild. And it was like in reply to my tweet and he followed me after that. And then uh, that was just like so wild. I just didn't know what to do with that right. p- power. <laughs> but yeah, it's a weird thing to be one of the like 50 people that Timothy Chalamet follows because he's also never on that on that website so it's like he's there but I can't do anything because he's not going to be checking right his mentions his dms (laughs) I was looking at the list and it's like people he's been in movies with 
um, you know, NBA players and like NBA commentators, and then like you and a few other people. Um, so you know, you're you're you it's have an like exclusive occupied, club. yeah, it's a very exclusive space. Yeah, it's a small club. It's a small club. Mm-hmm. You know, we sort of talked about um your relationship with like Timothy as an actor leading up to this movie and your thoughts about the movie, kind of being a little nervous before um it came out. So then once you saw the movie like what what did you think like were you sitting there in the theater kind of in real time going like you know what okay this is actually really good and like what yeah what were your takeaways from the movie yeah that was generally what i was going through i went i went with my sister on opening day and um the cinema was like kind of packed and then i realized like um because there were so many kids in the cinema, I was like, oh wait, this is a kid's film. I'm not actually the main demographic for this movie. <laughs> Despite all the conversation that was happening, I just like forgot that kids existed and this was a this was a film for kids. Um but yeah, I was watching it and I did just think it was really charming. Like I love the I love the Paddington movies and it feels of that ilk where it's really just sincere and charming and quite magical and I had a really good time and I think like I kind of wish this film was more marketed around just like how British this film is because I feel like if that was more known like more people here at least would be going to see it because there's so many great people like supporting actors in it like Olivia Coleman and and Matthew Bainton and um Simon Farnaby yeah I remember when I went to see the film my sister and I went like we were like oh my god oh my god because um what are their names Charlotte Ritchie and Phil Wang have this cameo where they're the couple that get married and then Phil Wang like dances on the tables um with Timothy and um because we both loved I don't know if you know Taskmaster. I was about yeah. to say that's oh, yeah. where I that's where I know him yeah. from. Yeah. Yeah, and we're like so obsessed with Taskmaster. So every time like someone from Taskmaster or like Horrible Histories was showing up in this film, me and my sister were like, "Oh my god! Oh my god! It's them! It's them!" It's like there's like so many cameos of like just like iconic British character actors. I feel like that's part of why the film is so great because like. A lot of these actors are like just working to such a high level comedy wise and I think with Timothy like I think the charm of his character and his performance is that it's so jarring in comparison to to the rest of these actors because they're all kind of operating at that level and he's doing something very different but I think it works and I think like I think it kind of fits in with the story anyway because it's about this guy who's kind of, you know, wiggling his way into this place that he's not really allowed to to be in. So I think I think his performance works well in that way. I will say, I don't think like it's like a home run every scene he's in. I think there are parts of it where like the delivery is like not quite there, like, you know, the I'm making chocolate of course and <laughs> for, for for every for every um, bingala you get a you get which is one of my favorite lines where he yells out bingala for every bingala you got a I'm making chocolate of course. I this has been a um a recurring bit on the pod where he finds any excuse to 
say Bingala oh, yeah. on every episode, and he really loves yelling it into Bingle, the mic, yeah. Oh, yeah. which is a lot of fun for me when I'm editing. Yeah, I like yeah, audio um, peaks. And... But today, when we were watching, because like you said, it's a um, it's it is primarily a kids movie, and so you show up and you're like, oh right, like we're not the primary demographic for this. You know, yeah, we're at a matinee, a lot felt, of kids. Right, certainly um, was awkward for us going to the same theater three days in a row to see a kid's movie and the ticket takers like, weren't, weren't you here for this yesterday? <laughs> but, um, you know, today there were a lot of kids in the crowd. There was a kid sitting next to me, so on the other side of Carlin. And when Carlin laughed at the bingala line, this kid turned to his mom and said, he's laughing at weird stuff. <laughs> That's okay. That that just shows, I think, the power of the you know the cinema. You know, th there's jokes for everyone. There's jokes for everyone in this movie, which is what you know we we've been talking about. It's it's, it's it seems like it's a really good family movie. Mm -hmm. uh, we've noticed it's a good Christmas movie. It's got like that nice you know cozy vibe to it. Mm -hmm. um, um, I wanted to go back to what you said about Timothy sort of being like out of place with a lot of these British actors, and I think you're right that it does work well for the movie. First of all, I think it's cool that. Um, you know, Paul King clearly has, like, a lot of respect for these um, British TV comedies. And you do have, like, big stars in the movie, like uh, Keegan-Michael Key, Hugh Grant, you know, other people that are more known to American audiences. But they're, you know, Olivia Colman is an Academy Award winner, and she has, like, a much smaller role in this movie than some people who are um, way less known to American audiences. And so I think it's cool that there's sort of this, this mix of... Um, you know, people at different levels of fame, but he has a respect for all of them and their ability to play this kind of, um, you know, very earnestly goofy comedy and the, you know, these uh, outrageous facial expressions and the chocolate cartel, very like, you know, just sneering and, um, you know, really milking all of their lines. And then you have Timothy coming in and he has sort of like a more naturalistic um, performance style, I guess that's the right word. You know, he's sort of, stutters through some of his lines like when they're all yelling at him about poisoning the chocolate and he's like i didn't what no i didn't poison them it you know i think it um adds to the comedy of the movie that he sort of is uh at odds with their performance style ayana out of all of um the confections and lovely uh chocolates uh wonka here cooks up which of them would you want to try the most so the thing about me is that I actually don't like chocolate. Wow! <laughs> Just like our our friend Eric here. It's true. It is, it is, you know, that is, that's okay. That's okay. Yeah, it's just that, I don't know what happened. Maybe I had some, like, chocolate trauma as a kid or something, but um, I've just never, I've never been a chocolate enjoyer. That's okay. That's okay. Um, Now, I asked this to Eric, and he kind of thought it was a little bit of a crazy question, but I just, you know, want to hear you. Was, as a non-chocolate enjoyer, was this movie hard to watch at all? Like, were you... Was it was any of it like a little too grotesque just because of like the onslaught of chocolate and sweets? Oh, there's something I actually want to ask you related to that, but I'll get back to it. But um, um, I don't think it made me feel like I don't I'm not as repulsed by chocolate as I was before. But the, the smell does make me feel a bit icky. I so I think if I was in if I was in that, um, you know, the room where it fills up with chocolate when they're like drowning. Um, I feel like, I feel like that would be 10 times worse for me because I would be like gagging <laughs> if I was, if I was living through that. This would be a great movie, not for you two, but this would be a great movie to put in 4D, you know, like get some, you know, get some smells going in. smell a vision Yeah, yeah. smell vision Maybe mm -hmm. there's like some chocolates you can taste throughout the movie. I mm -hmm. think, I think that would make it a really good experience. I, I said that, um, 
the movie like didn't repulse me because a lot of the chocolate doesn't really look like chocolate you know it's um yeah it's sort of like I when agree. you see those tv shows about like these very elaborate cakes and they don't really look like a cake they just kind of look like a sculpture at a certain point um and a friend of ours who was on the pod earlier he actually he he had complicated feelings about the chocolate because he liked how colorful the movie was and the chocolates are obviously a big part of that but he said um he's like i don't think the chocolates should have been like that i think they should have just looked like chocolate so he has a sort of very chocolate cartel uh view of chocolate i suppose <laughs> he thinks it should be simple and uncomplicated i feel i feel like the cho- the chocolate not looking like chocolate would be good for me though right because it would be like the marketing wonka not as a musical but for chocolate like i would eat i would eat the hover chalk i would eat the the giraffe macaroon oh yeah and then I'd take a bite and I'd be like, oh, this is disgusting, never mind. Um, but, uh, yeah, what, the question I wanted to ask was, um, over, like, the seven times you've seen this film, um, you know when, like, the, yeah, when they're drowning in chocolate, have you ever held your breath while they're under under chocolate? Because I've, I've done that both times. I'm so <laughs> glad you asked that, because I did that today, because I was like huh you know they're like panting like for their dear life when it comes down and i was like i'm gonna try this i'm gonna so i held my and i i I, to be fair i didn't do the mistake i know sometimes swimmers they'll do like a bunch of quick breaths and then one big breath like (gasps) um and i just i i I didn't even like do a i didn't do a big inhale i was just like and then i was like watching the movie and i was like oh god this is hard this is (laughs) this is but I held it. I held yeah. it. And I, I didn't time it, you know, so maybe, I, you know, if we did, like, my week with Wonka plus one and we did an eighth viewing, maybe I'd get myself... No, 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 no eighth viewing. No eighth viewing. <laughs> Not for a while. Maybe if we did, I'd get my stopwatch out and just make sure. And then, you know, maybe I'd, like, um, check in with, like, the, um, the like, the, the long doctors to see, like, okay, how is this possible? Like, do you have to be in a certain condition? But I did do that today, so I'm glad you brought that up. I, um, the first time I saw it, there was that moment of like, you know, obviously this is a prequel. Obviously, you know that, um, well, at least Wonka survives because he's in the other movies. We don't, we've had conversations about like what happens to Noodle after this movie because she doesn't show up in the other movies, but like, you know that they're going to survive because it's a kid's movie, but there is still that moment where they like take the deep breath and they go under the water and then it cuts to that like overhead shot of the glass, um, window and they're like beneath the chocolate. And for a split second, I thought, like, is that how this movie is going to end? Which I knew it wasn't, but I did, like, genuinely, you know, I was scared for them a little bit. And then you hear, like, Rowan Atkinson moaning in the background, and you're like, all right, never mind, this is like a comedy, they're going to be fine. But, um, yeah, no, I, that, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up, because I guess we both, we both were a little nervous for our friends Wonka and Noodle during the Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, not, not on the seventh viewing, you know, we'd seen it, but the first time, first time. Have you been able to find like anything new on a seventh viewing? Because I feel like I wouldn't be able to. Today I found out this is guys this is not actually a Paul King movie. This is a Paul King confection. Yes, that that's is. True. I didn't. Uh, that's it's that's, that's, I, that's in the title cards. I clocked that on the first view. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm a, I'm hey. a big credits reader. <laughs> I'm always reading the credits. You're always and uh, that, good for you. That, yeah, that's good. That's good. I'm glad you do. Um, I noticed that there was a like there were some Easter eggs to some of Timothy's other movies yes. sprinkled in this movie. There's a scene where he says, "Look at the bones," which is obviously meant to be a reference yeah. to bones and all. <laughs> yes. Um. Mm-hmm. So that was a fun little Easter egg that we caught. Um. 
No, I don't know. I don't know about like on the seventh viewing, but definitely throughout there were different things that we caught. I would say one of the the big things for me was figuring out all the different ways that um, the songs are woven into the rest of the movie, like an instrumental form. Because the first time you see it, you're just listening to the songs. And then the second time you realize like, oh, the songs are kind of incorporated to the score. And then you realize like, oh, the police sirens are Sweet Tooth. And when he knocks on the door of the cathedral, that's also Sweet Tooth. And the, um, the, the monks are singing, they're singing Sweet, Sweet Tooth. Right, so, yeah. so I guess mainly it's Sweet Tooth because that's my mm-hmm. favorite song. So I'm just looking for it everywhere now. But, but yeah, they, um, they got yeah a... we've been able to find mm-hmm. little details and things. Did you, um, I mean, we talked about the songs and, and liking the songs and everything, but did you have a favorite? So I don't think we asked what your favorite song was. Oh, my favorite Sweet Tooth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I really like the, the sort of like barbershop quartet harmonies they've got going on in that song and i think um also the the just the way that scene plays out with the choreography and just the sort of like interplay between everyone in that scene it just kind of like tickles your brain mm-hmm. in the right way and then listening to that back i i yeah it's a banger i wish that was on the short list like i know like a world of your own was like their main one but like that one that one slaps it, it deserved better honestly I agree. And I, I feel like, because the best original song category, it's about awarding the best original song, but really it's about getting those people to perform on stage at the Oscars. Yeah. I know that well, I'm going to be watching anyway, because I have like Oscar brain disease, but I know I would be watching if they announced that Keegan-Michael Key and Patterson Joseph and Matthew Bainton and Matt Lucas were going to do a kick line mm-hmm. at the Oscars and perform uh sweet tooth that would get me to watch and a lot of my friends or world of your own like if they had timmy like in his little wonka coat at the oscars that that would just be come on everyone watch it but no they're not fun so whatever you gotta make room for the song (laughs) from flaming hot the flaming hot cheetos movie yeah yeah that yeah i didn't see it that's not fair yeah, i shouldn't that's i'm, act, okay. I'm maybe, acting out because i just really like the song it's okay you know maybe that could be our next seven day podcast <laughs> maybe um no but eric you mentioned um you know the little bones and all easter egg you kind of were telling me you see like little bits like little bits of like timmy's various performances throughout throughout his career in this uh, well yeah like his his performance style like um and again this is something that i think you put really well in your review where you said that um you enjoyed like watching him find the rhythms of the script and i feel like um like one of the things that i really love about him as an actor is he has a great listening face um like especially i think of like in little women when uh when joe is telling him um you know that she that she doesn't want to be with him and He's like nodding and taking it all in, but he just looks like you look into those eyes and he's just so heartbroken. And there's like a miniature version of that listening face in the scene where um, he's telling Noodle about the little orange man. And she's like, like, there's no little orange man. He's like nodding along. She says, you're dreaming about this little green man. And he goes, orange man, green hair. Yeah. And and then he like, he like briefly interjects (laughs) and then he just kind of like nods for her to keep going. And I feel like. Like, I don't know, it's just like you can, I don't want to, he's a great actor, so I don't want to reduce him to just having like a series of like moves that he can do, but like that is one of his best moves, I think, is like he has such a, he's such a great scene partner, and he really mm-hmm. um, knows when to like play up, or when to pull back and, you know, cede to the other person in the scene, or do a little like thoughtful interjection like that, so I just, 
yeah, it's, it's as someone who's watched his career over the last, I mean, I guess 10 years if you count Interstellar, but really like the last seven years since like Call Me By Your Name or so, it's it's been cool to see um, him grow as an actor and bring those little like performance ticks to different genres of film, like at different budget levels, different, uh, you know, tones um, and adapt to them. Yeah, something I noticed watching it the second time, you mentioned like him knowing when to kind of um, blow up and when to pull back and the moments I like paid most attention to this time were the were the moments where he pulled back because I feel like my favorite thing about Timothy as an actor is that he's really good at just like saying a lot while not doing a lot mm-hmm. so you know I think like he communicates so much with just his eyes and the sort of like minor like facial stuff that he does and then so I think he was I think he's really good at the you know the like the one-liners and the big comedy bits but I think he really does the sincerity and the earnestness of this movie really well mm-hmm. there's like a part where um yeah it's when Noodle reunites with her mom and he's just like watching on wistfully and I think that kind of like it's a sort of like combination of like oh I'm I might be losing my friend here, but I'm also really happy for her. And he's also kind of like reflecting on everything in that moment. You can kind of see all of that play out in his face. And I think that was one of my favorite moments of sort of his performance in that film. But there's a lot of um, sort of like really subtle bits that he does well. There's like the scene as well where um, uh, the customers in his chocolate shop are like breaking everything and burning the place down. And just his face at, like, the horror of all that was really great. Also, as a side note, like, I thought that scene was, like, so harrowing. I Watching this again, I thought that was, like, really uncomfortable to watch. I had to, like, sit and look away at that point. It, it just like, really made me feel, like, uncomfortable seeing that. Every, everyone's just, yeah, they're destroying all his stuff. They, like, feel like pers- they, they, that he personally wronged them all. He mustached that woman's daughter. He mustached... Um, but no, I, I agree. The first time seeing the movie, because um, you kind of, you know, about 30 minutes in, like once you've been introduced to sort of all the major players, you kind of have a sense of like, okay, he has to figure out how to escape from Mrs. Scrubbit and he has to figure out how to stop the chocolate cartel and deal with the chief of police. So there's these antagonistic forces that you like expect and you kind of have an idea of the general arc of the movie. And then you get to that scene and I knew that there was going to be some sort of setback for him at some point just because that's that's how movies work but i really did not expect that kind of like yeah i mean harrowing i think is a, is a good way to put it like um you know everybody turning on him because you expect those like plot complications or setbacks to come from the antagonists and i suppose it does indirectly because they're the ones who poison the chocolate but i uh, you know you don't expect all of these people to turn on him especially um so quick after world of our own Mm-hmm. Um, which is just sort of such a like triumphant um, song, and I think they like handle that shift really well. It doesn't feel it's surprising, but it doesn't feel out of place at all. I think it's really interesting as well because um, like what Willie's whole thing throughout the film, probably not when Willie becomes Wonka, whatever. Um, but like his whole thing was that he believed in the kindness of strangers, and then you know he's kind of you know, opening up his world, per se, to these strangers, and they just turn on him. 
you know, instantly. And I feel like, I don't know if, I wonder if you guys have a theory about like how Willy became Wonka. Cause um, I just, that just struck me now, actually. The fact that like these people turn on him and it kind of like, Mm-hmm. I guess you could have like a loss of faith over like the the kindness of of strangers when something like that happens. We've had a lot of people come on uh, express like some some disappointment with the movie because it's like oh there's not enough of that you know like sick and twisted Wonka like you know where he's like kidnapping kids or you know like whatever or the or the messed up shit he does like whatever um, and you know um, I've I've kind of like thought like okay you know this movie he's really exposed to like um you know like the horribleness of man you know like he gets he gets scammed into his indentured servitude slavery he you know he he goes he tries to enter this business that's run by this like corrupt monopoly um and yeah and you know like he he tries to sell his wares and it doesn't work and you know but it it does end like really nice and he seems he seems okay by it so like is there more of this that happens? Like, is do do people do more fucked up stuff to Wonka? Like, um, does he just did he just kind of realize like, oh, you know, I could have made it so I could have made it so well in the gallery gourmet, you know, if it wasn't for that cartel, I'm gonna I'm gonna do my own thing now. I also have, I also have a theory, because because this film is like also about capitalism, you know, and and um. I wonder if it's because he's like eradicated the competition and he sort of has the monopoly on chocolate now in this city. I wonder if he's like corrupted by right by the know, power, greed and power. I wonder if that right gets to his head or something, and maybe that's why yeah he becomes Wonka. I mean the um the Oompa Loompas like in the original movie they fill a very similar role in the factory that he and the Scrub Scrubbers filled in Scrubbing and Bleachers. You know just. Mm-hmm. Moving the machines, you know, kept out of sight, you know, away from Singing the public. Thinking about it. Right. Um, the theory that I've sort of been workshopping over repeat viewings is that, um, you know, one of our, our friends who came on, he said, um, like, given the fact that Wonka almost dies from drowning in chocolate and that, like, the last thing he would have seen before he dies is, like, this kid who he couldn't save and who, you know, died because of him that that makes it really messed up that he lets like Augustus Gloop drown in the chocolate <laughs> river. Um, so I sort of, my twist on that was that like these kids, he is testing them to see who can be a successor to Noodle because I don't, you know, maybe Noodle left, she became a librarian, whatever. We don't know what happened to her, but he feels like this is the one person who I could trust in my life. And so now I need to, um, you know, in order to find a successor, someone to take over the factory, I need to find someone who can um, match those qualities. And Augustus Gloop failed where Noodle succeeded. So yeah. those, uh, <laughs> you know, those tests in the original movie are about testing these kids to see who can match Something. up. I, and I, I wonder, I wonder. You should have held his breath for longer. Yeah. I want, I, <laughs> I wonder if like each of the other, the other four kids that fail, like, or four, three, other three kids that fail, mm-hmm. um, I wonder if there are little bits in here that um, I don't. I don't think so. But if there's any other oh, bit that like correlate that to correlate those characters, to the, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I can't really like think of anything. I, I don't mean, know. It's not a super fleshed out theory. I don't know, but you know, I've only seen the movie seven times. Only seven. After you know. like ten, maybe I'll have a <laughs> maybe, maybe. maybe. Do you? Speaking of seeing this movie more times, do you think that this is the kind of movie that will 
have like legs as like a Christmas movie. Maybe it's a little bit lighter than the original movie. So this is like a good um, entry point into showing them like the original movie. With people, like absolutely, because when I um when I was coming out of this um screening I had today, um there was a kid and he was with his parents and he was like, I can't wait to see that movie again and again and again and again and again and again and again. We should have had him on the pod. We should have. We should have. He's he's bringing the energy you need for the pod. Um, but yeah, I think I like I feel like if I saw this film. When I was a kid, one, I'd be, like, in love with Timothy as Wonka, as I am now. Um, But also, like, I would just be, like, obsessed with that film. Like, the hover chalk scene, I feel like that has a sort of similar energy going as, like, you know in Mary Poppins when, um, I can't remember what happens exactly, but there's a there's a man and he's like laughing so much that he floats to the ceiling. And I remember, I remember seeing Mary Poppins when I was a kid and like that's the scene that stayed with me because I wanted that to happen to me. And I feel like if I was a kid watching Wonka, I'd be like, God, I wish I had a hover chalk right. in life because it would be so fun to eat chocolate and fly. Um, so I think there's like, just loads of bits like that where if I was a kid watching that film I'd love to come back again and again to those moments um so yeah I absolutely absolutely do think this has like staying power maybe not for like adults but kids yeah absolutely I can see like some poor parents having to watch this film 20 times or something because their kids are obsessed with it (laughs) yeah we're not even getting the worst of it no yeah because I (laughs) I feel like, you know, I, I, as you've said, and I think as, as all of us who've, who've been on this pod have felt, we were sort of skeptical when it was, you know, first announced. It's like, do, do we need like a Willy Wonka prequel? You know, that sort of thing. Um, but I feel like in the landscape of these kind of like, you know, cash grab, like prequel sequels, whatever, I feel like this one really stands apart because it was made with so much care um, and you know commitment from like the actors the the director obviously um and just like all the craftspeople production design costumes everybody that worked on the movie and i think like yes i know that some people feel like this wonka does not seem like the same character as the wonka from the original movie but in a way that also means that the movie like can stand on its own more which i think a lot of these movies fail to do so i feel like definitely this is like my expectations were exceeded, and I feel like it really is, like, about the best version you can ask for, for, like, an endeavor like this. Um, yeah, um, yeah, switching a little, um, I don't know, we've had, you know, multiple people come, come on talking about, like, oh, yeah, you know, uh, Wonka, he's in Dune, or Wonka, Timmy, he's in Dune, and he's doing this, and now he's in Wonka, you know, and, the, like, we're just talking, they're talking about, you know, Timmy's career as a whole, but, um, as, as the Timothy scholar yourself, where do you think you should go next after this? I was actually thinking about this. I think he should make another movie with Luca Guadagnino, because that's, <laughs> that's what he does best. Um, but do I want him to do another comedy? I don't know. I don't think comedy... Well, saying that, like, the Timmy Tim stuff, he's really he's really good at the... He's really good at comedy. I feel like it's a specific type of comedy that he's really good at like I, I hate don't look up 
But I think he's really good in that. He's film. very funny in it. He's the best part. Well, of it. The character he's playing just seems like the kind of guy he is. Right. In life. <laughs> um, but I would like to see him try more comedy. But I don't know if like this exactly works for him because I don't think it's like perfect the whole way through in this film. But I'd like to see him try again. But just like more generally. I do want him because I know that like his strategy for his career is to sort of kind of tick off the list of directors that he wants to work with and I do think he just needs to like pick more interesting directors right now because like I mean I love Paul King but like I don't really think like I mean Paddington 2 is masterpiece whatever but like I'm not exactly like oh I'm seeing a film because Paul King did it you know what I mean so like I feel like he should be picking directors like I feel like he should have like Robert Pattinson's career or something like that and mm-hmm. the kind of like I feel like he's choosing directors in in a better way than Timothy is right now because right now like Luca Guadagnino aside like Greta Gerwig aside like his run currently is not right is not the greatest so I'd like him to do I'd like him to pick directors that are more interesting because i know his next movie is the bob dylan one which i am very excited for but like james james mangold is like a dad movie guy like i i'm not really like hyped to see the next james mangold film so i would just like to see him pick more interesting directors like i'd like to see him work with like bong joon ho if he ever okay well, yeah he, he's doing mickey 17 so he'll do like he'd do american movies again but like someone like that like proper like auteur level kind of stuff like i'd Oh, wait, now that I said Park Chan-wook, did you notice that it's, like, Park Chan-wook's yeah, his, yeah. Um, DP? I, d- like, I think I did read that, and then I just, like, forgot that information, and I saw the film again, and I was like, wait, it's Chong chung un who's doing the cinematography for this. I, I think I maybe knew that before seeing it, and then I kind of um, just dismissed it a little bit when I read it as, like, not necessarily indicative of anything, because... Um, I'm sure like you've seen these prompts on Twitter where it's like, uh, what's the craziest difference between two movies that a cinematographer has worked on? And like all of these great cinematographers have these weird patches in their career where, you know, you, you win an Oscar and then you do like cat in the hat or whatever, you know what I mean? Like it's, um, they, they, I guess aren't necessarily as like, or they can't be as like choosy about their projects as directors. And so there's plenty of great cinematographers who have done movies where because of like, studio constraints or whatever it's not always like indicative of their visual style but i feel like this is like it's a very um it's a very good looking movie and i don't think that i would have necessarily like if i hadn't seen the credits i wouldn't have necessarily guessed that he was the dp just by watching it but knowing that it was him and maybe again this is just like confirmation bias because i already know it but there are some shots where like I could see it like, okay, that's maybe like a move that you would see in like a Park Chan-wook movie or maybe not. Maybe that's just me like reading into it, but. Yeah, he's on a weird run right now because I like I feel like the last Korean film he he was a DP on was The Handmaid. Yeah, that's I think so. Uh, looking at his Wikipedia. Yeah. So he's on like a, I need to like, oh, I wish I had his Wikipedia page open, but he's on like the weirdest run right now of not so, not so great films. <laughs> I think, um... I feel... This is, like, a return to form for him, though. Absolutely. Yeah. He did It in 2017, and then I think he's been on, like, a run of mostly American movies since then. Um, yeah, let me look at this. So, um, 
It, The Current War, Hotel Artemis, Zombieland Double Tap, um, a, a oh career God. high mark for everyone involved, um, Last Night in Soho, oh, okay. and then his last movie before this was Uncharted. Oh boy. So, oh my God. Double Tap and Uncharted, both directed by Ruben Fleischer, so I guess he's like found his new director, you know, he's moving mm. on from, uh, from Director Park to, uh, Ruben Fleischer as like his auteur of choice. <laughs> there you go. It's really that's really great to hear. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I don't know, do you have any final thoughts or you know impressions, outstanding um, things, ideas about Wonka you'd like to share? I have I haven't actually looked at my notes once this whole time. So let me see. Oh, there was a line that completely um, passed by me the first time the first time I saw this, where um, Willie and Noodle they're about to go sell chocolates, but then he takes out the jar and it's empty. And then he's like, I need milk to make more chocolates. And then and then she's like, why don't you just use this milk? And she just pulls one up. And then he's like, no, A, that's stealing. C, you can't just use any milk. And I completely missed that the first time I saw this film. And I thought that was so funny. I was cracking up. And it's such a like blink and you miss it joke as well. And I think like that's a, that's the fun of the the screenplay as well is that there's like so many moments you have to like really pay attention yeah one of my favorite like throwaway lines in the movie is um after he comes back from the boat explosion and he's like breaking noodle out of the coop and he's like uh i went, I went for a swim this morning and he says cold water stimulates the neural pathways mm -hmm. and it's it's just so funny because it's like why why would he know that like is he reading a science textbook you know, <laughs> you, know? you know which someone who uh yeah you know um not to you know pick apart this movie too much but you know like you know the beginning it shows you know he, uh, like his chocolate like freezes within seconds in the night uh, bleachers like oh you can't stay out here it's way too freezing for him to just you know swim like up like a half mile in that kind of water i don't know he is a magician he uh, yeah he's a magician i, I guess so i guess <laughs> he can so. do anything um but yeah yeah any 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 other thoughts anything else i'm curious just to know if you um feel like how is your mind after all of this? Not horrible. Like, you know, um, <laughs> I, I think definitely, I think today I was really like, okay, I'm not really watching this movie. I'm just kind of disassociated until they play the next song I like or until they do the next show. <laughs> like, um, cause, cause yeah, you know, our screen, we, we had a matinee and there were kids and they were being annoying. And I was like, I can't be too mad at them. That this movie's for them. And I've also seen this six other times. Right. What about you? I think seven is the absolute maximum number of days that we could have done with this. So it's mm -hmm. good that that's how many days are in a week, I suppose. Yep. Um, but I, yeah, I've been on this journey where like the first time I was like, okay, this is better than I thought it would be. And then the second time I was kind of expecting that like, you know, seeing it twice in two days that like it would, it, the effect would wear off. Um, but then I liked it more the second time. And then the third time like i didn't like it less like i kept expecting to like it less or be like like you were you were you were deluded this movie is you know it's it, it drags whatever like i don't know but i never hit that point um but i it, even though it's just like one movie because i've seen it so many times it almost feels like i've like been watching a long-running story about these characters and so i was like by the fifth viewing i was very emotionally invested in larry chucklesworth reuniting with his wife yes. And so when they show his wife at the end of the movie coming to his show, I was like, Larry, way to go, Larry. You did it. You, did it. you got her back. 
so that's that's been i suppose the main effect of repeat viewings is like i don't know i used to i'm the type of person where like uh you know in the evening like after work or whatever i try and you know i have like a set time every day that i try and watch a movie and now in the past week it hasn't been like okay time to throw on a movie it's like time to get my enrichment in the wonka enclosure so like <laughs> i i don't really know what i'm gonna do with the myself after coof. this like i i guess i'm gonna go back to like catching up on 2023 movies i've missed mm-hmm. but like i don't yeah i don't really know what i'm gonna do with myself now i know god i'm gonna eat more chocolate you're probably not probably but... not um <laughs> ayana um unless you have any other thoughts would you like to uh, are, uh, would you like to talk about any either projects you're currently working on or where our lovely listeners can find you at? Yeah, I'm kind of topped out for Christmas, so um, I don't really have anything going on right now. The last piece I had out was um, I profiled Greta Lee. It's a really good piece. Really I exciting. really liked it. Thank you. And you can find that in um, online and in British GQ. Um, so that's the last thing I've done. And that was really fun, and I really enjoyed it. And um, she was a really good, really good chat. So, yeah, that's where you can read my stuff. And then I'm also on Twitter at Ayana Mare. And then um, my, I think my letterbox is also Ayana Mare. And um, I don't really care about writing, um, you know, like intelligently on letterboxd but now that like i feel like i've some i feel like i've succumbed to like the pressure of like you know because like everyone hates one-liners now and that used to be my thing i used to love a one-liner and now everyone hates them so i feel like i've succumbed to like actually writing like proper thoughts on things now like i did that with wonka like if 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 wonka came out like four years ago i would have just written like a a throwaway line about the film (laughs) um but yeah so I'm I'm writing slightly more intelligent things than I used to on Letterboxd. So maybe you want to follow me there. I already, I can't speak for Carlin, but I was just checking and you were one of the first 10 accounts that I followed when I joined the site. So no way. Oh, thank you. Ayana, thank you so much for coming on. This has, yeah. been, this has been a pleasure. We, uh, we close every episode by saying, remember, it's not about the chocolate. chocolate. It's not about what's seen it seven times it's i still a, don't remember the line it's, it's not, not about the, what's in the chocolate i, I wrote, wrote i know i wrote it down it's not the chocolate that matters it's about it's the, the people, people you, you share, share it with. with so thank you for sharing your chocolate with us today yeah it's been a pleasure sharing chocolate with you <laughs> thank you so much to ayana murray for joining us on the pod uh we were really excited that we were able to do that interview mm-hmm. carlin we've reached the end of our week with wonka how are you feeling Wow, I am feeling super sugary and super sweet. Uh, how about yourself, Eric? I'm feeling like I don't want to eat a piece of chocolate again for a long while. Not that like you have recently, but you know. Right, but I'm not going to start now. Yeah, no, this isn't going to start. So guys, if you, I mean, good, good takeaway. Um, if you were a chocolate hater going in um, or a chocolate distaster, I don't think Wonka's going to, like, convert you, so that's that. Um, but, yeah, um, it's been, it's been like, a, a nice a nice time here uh, watching this movie. I don't know when my next viewing of Wonka will be, but, you know, I'll be remembering this for sure. Yes, and we hope that you all enjoyed your weeks with Wonka while listening to 
my week with Wonka. My it's my week with Wonka, but even though it's both of us, it's both. But I feel like my week with Wonka just sort oh, of like my, rolls yeah, off the my, tongue. My, my better. week with Wonka is like it's a like, better title. Yeah, it's like that movie, like my week with Marilyn, like about mm-hmm, Marilyn Monroe. Of course. Yeah, so like I guys, see it. so guys, if you're listening to this like with a friend, and maybe you're watching along, like you're watching Wonka every day too. It can, even if you're doing it together with your friends, family, whoever, it's still my week with Wonka. My being you. My yes. is relative. Yes. Um, anyway, um, like we've we've said, and we'll say it again. Um, remember, guys, it's not the chocolate that matters. It's the people you share it with. And Carlin. Eric. I've been so thrilled to share my chocolate with you these me, past seven days me too I've sitting been... here in your guest bedroom yep sharing our chocolate sharing with each chocolate. other yeah it's been the, the thrill of a lifetime it's been a pleasure eric thank you so much everyone else thanks for listening wonka ow really wonka